You are listening to the sermon podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. scripture text that this message is on is the first reading. Uh, This vision of the throne room of God given to John in the book of Revelation. And I have trouble imagining what that must be like. I can't imagine every tribe and every language, uh, every nation, all together as one people in this throne room of God. It's hard for me to imagine that because I'm used to seeing just how different everyone is. It's hard to imagine everyone doing all the same thing. Uh, One of the differences that we have among different people is culture. And I think culture is kind of a funny thing. We all grow up a certain way. And uh, so when we see other people living in a way that's different from how we grew up, we often find that confusing or maybe funny or all sorts of different feelings. I'm pretty careful not to talk too much about culture from up here in the pulpit uh, because I know that I might offend somebody. For example, if I talk about what I find interesting about Korean culture, then maybe I would upset upset some of you, maybe half of you about... Or if I started to talk about American culture a whole lot, or North American, will include Canada, or maybe even just Western culture, then I might offend the other half of you. So I kind of just stay away from the topic, to be honest. I want to be safe. I watch what I say. But I really enjoy observing culture. I really enjoy seeing culture differences, and I think they can often lead to hilarious situations. So I've uh, come up with a couple of examples that are pretty safe, and they're pretty funny, I think, about culture differences. One, one takes place here in Korea, and one is about life in the U.S. The first one, um, and, and these lead to differences and misunderstandings. Uh, and keep in mind, I'm, I'm talking about this throne room where there are no misunderstandings. There, everyone's kind of come together as one people. So when, when uh, we first moved here, Gene and I, uh, we were trying to figure out what the best situation was for grocery shopping. Uh, whatever we bought, we have to bring up you know, to the parsonage a couple flights of stairs. And, and uh, so we didn't know driving or what's better. So um, uh, Gene decided to get a cart. Uh, one of our church members, Lent Yongsil, she's here, lent us uh, pull carts that she could pull. And she walked down to the Lotte supermarket. That's uh, one subway stop away in Botigoge, which is near Yaksu. So she uh, pulled her cart and she went down to that Lotte supermarket. Now this was at about 9.30 or 9.45 in the morning. And she said, do you think it's open? I said, of course, it has to be open. It's a supermarket. It's 9.45 in the morning. How could it not be open? I said, the bank is open. So of course a supermarket would be open. So she gets up to this Lotte supermarket and, and you know, she walks to the door and the doors don't open. 
And she thought maybe the automatic door is broken because it's 9.45 in the morning. Of course the supermarket would be open. So she put her fingers into the door and she started to pull as hard as she could to, to fix this you know, broken door and go into the supermarket. And then one of the employees, a Korean woman, you know, started running toward the door and she started to do hand motions to Jean. And Jean thought that the hand motions meant pull harder. So she started as hard as she could to pry the door open. But of course the woman was trying to tell her, no, we're closed. Uh, we're not open yet. So uh, we come from a culture where, you know, in the U.S., many supermarkets are open 24 hours a day. If they're not open 24 hours a day, they're probably open at 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning, and they're open until 10 or 11 at night. So for me to think that at almost 10 o'clock in the morning, the supermarket's not open yet, we couldn't even imagine this. So from our perspective, we thought, this is crazy. But from their perspective, they think this crazy foreign woman is trying to, you know, rip open the doors of our supermarket. Like, what is wrong with this person? Now, back in the U.S., uh, a story that I thought of was uh, when I was at seminary studying to become a pastor. One of my classmates was a man who's much older than me. He was a very experienced church planter who's from Ghana in Western Africa. His name is Nicholas Salafu. Nicholas Salafu was a, a great man already. He really shouldn't have to come to seminary, but he came. And, and uh, after about a year of being in America, Nicholas said to me, he said, now I understand why you Americans are always talking about the weather. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're always talking about the weather, every conversation. He said, I, now I understand why. Because in St. Louis, the weather's always changing. It's, sometimes it's really hot. There are these thunderstorms, tornadoes, and there's snow. He had never seen snow before and ice and all this stuff. So he said, you must be talking about the weather because it's always changing all the time and you need to be worried about it. Of course, he was from near the equator. And the closer you live to the equator, the weather doesn't change much throughout the year. So that was his theory. But I got to thinking about it. I thought, is that why we talk about the weather so much? But it's not. It's, it's actually not. The reason that Americans talk about the weather so much is because of a cultural aspect called small talk. Small talk is something that uh, Americans and maybe other Westerners feel like they have to go through because it's safe. You begin with safe topics, things like the weather or how are your children or how are you doing, and then you move toward more complicated subjects. Uh, this is because we don't want to offend people. For example, if you uh, start a conversation, say, hey, hey, Rick, I haven't seen you for a while. Looks like you've gained weight. <laughs> That's not how you begin a conversation. You have to say, hey, Rick, boy, it's been cold lately, hasn't it? Yeah. And then you go on from there. And you probably still shouldn't talk about weight after that. <laughs> I, I thought of that because in Korean or in Japanese, you can be polite through verb endings. But in English, there is no way to change the level of formality of the speech. So we have to do it through the words that we choose. And the way is to be polite at first, to, to cover safe topics. So it's an interesting, that's my theory. You can debate with me after church if you'd like. But that's what I, I got to thinking. Maybe that's why we talk about the weather. And I wanted to mention one more thing is that Mr. Kim is one of the only Korean individuals that would do that with me. When I'd come down to church, come down to work in the morning, 
he'd, he'd say something about the weather because he'd been around Americans for so long. He knew that that was how you made us comfortable is to just say, boy, sure has been cold lately. What do you think? And then, yeah. And then we move on from there. So Mr. Kim just knew, he knew the American brain and how to uh, make us comfortable. Okay. So we're all different. We all act differently. We do such different things. And, and look at this revelation again. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 9. You can follow in your bulletin if you want from our first reading. This is the Apostle John. He's having this vision of the last day, the throne room of God after the resurrection. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and they're crying in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's interesting. They're all dressed the same way. They're all holding the same thing in their hands. They're all saying the same thing. And yet, the people are still different. They're different enough that John could tell that they weren't the same race, that they weren't the same people, that they were from different tribes, that they were not the same language, that they were from all the people groups of the earth. Every believing Christian is a part of this multitude, a part of this scene. This is the communion of the saints that we talk about in the creed. And even though in this life we kind of see the differences, we sometimes see them as humorous, but other times we may see them as frustrating or or confusing, or they may even lead to dangerous misunderstandings between people. Even though we live through these language barriers and these cultural barriers and understanding barriers, we as believers will one day be a part of this great multitude. The divisions will be gone because we will all be clothed in Christ, in the white robes of righteousness, which are, by the way, white, but washed in blood. doesn't usually turn out that way, but in the blood of the Lamb, we turn out righteous. When we're talking about the communion of saints, uh, when we're talking about the unity of all believers, we're not unified because we're all the same. We're unified because we all have one same Savior and Lord. We're all connected to Christ. That's what unifies us. And this is why you could say that we are never alone. Uh, many sermons talk about you're never alone, God is with you. And that's very true. But we forget about uh, this reading from Hebrews, the great cloud of witnesses, all the Christians that surround us, uh, both living and, and those who have gone before us in the faith, those uh, in different times, in different places. This is that great cloud of witnesses, why we're never alone. We are part of this one true body of Christ. Yet, I feel alone sometimes. Uh, the weird thing I think about being a Christian is sometimes I feel like I'm the last Christian left on earth. 
uh, I see all the craziness in this world. And sometimes I think there's no one left that believes in God. There's no one left that loves God, given the stuff I see. And that's what Elijah, the prophet, thought as well. He said that much to God. He said, God, I'm the last one left. There is no one else that believes in you. And God said, you're not alone. You're not the last one. He told Elijah, there are thousands that have not yet bowed down to these false gods, these foreign gods. You're not alone. And for us, that number is much larger. It's not in the thousands. For us, that number is in the billions. We are part of that great, vast multitude of believers, and we're moving through this life together. This is why, uh, under this topic of communion of saints, this is why I like to read about other Christians and their lives, uh, to share in some small way in their suffering together with them. It's, it's kind of under this topic. Gene bought an e-book and downloaded it to uh, our, our tablet, and this book was about this young woman from Sri Lanka who was Muslim background, a raised Muslim, and had moved to the United States at age five. Uh, she had gone through a lot. She was rejected by her family because she became Christian. She came to Christ. And so she wrote this memoir, and, and she was abused by a family member, and all this sort of difficult stuff happened to her, but she came through it, and she came to Christ. And Jean would read this book. I'd see her sitting on the couch reading it. And I'd see tears rolling down her cheek as she went through this account. That's the communion of saints. Just, just sharing with one another a little bit their suffering and what they have gone through in the faith. And I got to thinking, boy, that's just one story. How many stories will we get to learn in eternity? I can't really wrap my head around eternity, but I guess I understand that at least we'll have a lot of time to meet people and a lot of time to hear their stories and a lot of time to get to know others. We've all heard of, you know, like Mother Teresa. We've all heard of St. Augustine or the Apostle Paul or Luther. And we're familiar with their life stories. But there are so many who we have never known. So many that are forgotten in history. So many that never received any attention. And we will be able to hear about their stories. And get to know them even. And meet them. I think that's going to be great. I got to thinking about, you probably don't see it because the doors open when you walk in the sanctuary. But there's a little plaque outside the door here to the left. And that little plaque, it has my name on it and it has all the pastor's going back to 1962 when the church started. And I, I think it's cool that all these names are on there. I, I don't know most of those men. I've, I've never met them before. I've only met one or two of them. But I got to thinking that I'll meet all those guys one day and I'll, I'll be able to ask them, hey, what was it like to be a pastor of this church in the 70s? Or a pastor here in the 80s or in the 90s? And one day that plaque will fall off the wall and someone will pick it up and say, I don't know what this thing is, and they'll throw it in the garbage. And it'll end up in that landfill out in, you know, on the way to Ilsan, out on the Gyeonggi-bu Expressway. But that doesn't matter because those guys, you know, 
I'm going to get to meet them and I'm going to get to talk to them. And that's just kind of one little piece, you know, that's one little reflection, I think, of the communion of saints, what All Saints Day is about. Okay, going on, verse 13. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and where have they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, They are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. And they shall hunger no more, and neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor the scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's that reality. That's that future that we have been promised, those in the faith. So we can remember and we can honor those who have died, who have uh, ended their course in the faith. And we don't pretend that death is a good thing. It is sad. It is not good. It is not God's original design for us. Death entered the world when sin entered the world. But there is this future reality for all who believe where there is no longer hunger, no longer thirst, no longer death, no longer tears. And I look forward to that. And in the meantime, I draw hope and I draw strength from this invisible connection I have with all believers, uh, no matter where they are. I wrote that in the newsletter this week. I gave an example of believers in Africa, believers, uh, Inuit believers in the far north reaches of Canada. We are connected with them, all these people we've never met before. That's the communion of saints, and we draw strength from that. That's unity of the body of Christ in all times and places. Amen. Amen.